double A. Yeah, oh, double like, A single. They're full yeah. single. Splooge like, McDuck. Unbelievable. <laughs> Splooge McDuck. <laughs> I am so on board with, with that. <laughs> I Goodbye. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the part in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be voted into the Hottest 100. My name's David, and I'm gonna be one of the four voices that you hear, cause Adam Bunch's here, and he's showing no fear, cause he can hear strings now, and he hears them so clear. And just like fashion, Nathan Harrison is always on trend, plus we've got Andrew McDonald to round out the gang. So here we are, almost at the top 10 once again But first we've gotta count in Songs 15 through 11 That's what we're gonna do now And I'll stop singing this now I'm sorry for boring you with this dumb weird owl shit The absolute boy It's been a while while since we've had an extended intro Appreciate it Came out with that while you guys weren't here And number 15, this is The Living End With Prisoner of Society In the 1997 Hottest 100, that is a song called Prisoner of Society from the double A side single Prisoner of Society slash Second Solution and from the self titled debut album, also called The Living End. Mother of God. Yeah, pretty much. Here we are. Here we are. This is a formative song in my entire existence. Yeah. Can, can I, the same I'm, not be said for like every Australian of a certain age bracket? Right? I'd right. say so. Like it's anthemic. Like it is. Yeah. It is like legitimately one of the the most perfect songs in the history of rock music. And everyone's just like, oh, that's hyperbole. No, it's not. Shut the fuck up and listen. <laughs> normally, did you normally, invent the pick slide? Did you invent the pick slide? No. Fucking Chris Cheney did. Did you invent standing on a double bass? No. <laughs> the Living End did. They took punk and they took rockabilly and they took pub rock and they took it and they fucking smashed it up against the wall. They roughed it up and they stole its lunch money and now we have one of the greatest songs of all time. And lunch. I'm, 
and lunch. Yeah, this yeah. is my first realization. Oh, this is Australian rock music. Like hundred percent. Before this, like I have very broad stroke ideas of what music is. There's yep. the Beatles, and there's Van Morrison, and there's the songs on Sesame Street, the and the songs from the Wiggles. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> Elmo's backing vocals on Astral Weeks. Fucking mwah. <laughs> oh, the good shit. The good shit. That's just the stuff I was surrounded by. Like the very obvious shit. Yeah. And when I started watching the Rage Top 50 every morning, I noticed these particular fucking hooligans. I'm just like, what is the story here? Yeah. I, I don't particularly understand what's going on. I'm seven years old, but like I'm locked into this moment. Every time I've seen them since, like I'm taken back to discovering music. And like this song has followed me for over 20 years and it's been part of my DNA for over 20 years. I know every word. I know every nuance of this song. I can literally sing you the guitar solo. Like, you can literally just press play on my fucking forehead and I can just run the whole fucking gamut. I've seen this played at festivals. I've seen this played at the Metro. I've seen this played, you know, at like super sweaty, intimate shows. I've seen it played out in big open air shows. I have been side of stage at the Enmore Theatre standing with Bad Dreams and Fitzy. <laughs> watching this song. Yeah. Which That's is one the of most the most Australian thing one of the most I've Australian ever heard. things that has yeah. ever happened to me. <laughs> the big two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, the big three, to... Bad Dreams, Fitzy, and DJ. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're like the Mount Rushmore. Yes. <laughs> Men and more iconic trio always. <laughs> There's no nuance here. There is no... Yeah, let's get into, like, you know, the politics of the self. And, you know, it's just like, no, fuck you in the face and fuck everything <laughs> that you stand for. There doesn't need to be any kind of death to this. This has all the fucking subtlety of a swinging hammer and it fucking gets my blood boiling. It just... Ugh, the second it goes, I'm there. I'm slamming into dudes. I'm fucking punching on with dads in the car park. I'm climbing on people's heads to scream this into a microphone. This is everything. This is the alpha and omega of Australian rock music in the 90s. Fuck everybody else. This obviously just fucking slaps so goddamn hard. Literally it is, in yeah, terms of in the terms base. Last time we spoke about Living End, obviously we're all very enthusiastic, but we yeah. all knew that the real Living End were around the corner because this is exactly why... You're right, they were the powerhouse that they were in the 90s and the 2000s. Bands have been crossing over punk and rockabilly like since the early 80s with the meteors and that, but nobody did it in a way that appealed to mainstream rock music so successfully as the living end, at least for an Australian audience, because they definitely are a punk band and they definitely are a rockabilly band, but punk and rockabilly aren't very like, oh man, that's a fucking festival headliner, but the living end do it in a way that is just like pop rock accessibility that like is just so goddamn enthusiastic and so goddamn pure because there's a bit in this song that says if you count to three, one, two, three, even now, if you're able to punch to those things and reply back, you're a fool. It's I was the- so close to you yeah. speaking it. Yeah. It's, it's one was- of the best call responses in Australian rock music. Yeah. You know yeah. how some people's hair stands on end? My index finger stands on end. Yeah, the second yeah. I hear count to three. And also, lyrically, it taps into that idea of like, you're angry and you channel your anger into fun. That's the best 
Because I'm a brat and I know everything and I talk, talk back. back. Fuck off if you're not going to love this song, man. It's just so good. The lyrics deserve a special shout out for just being so simple yet having such a clarity. Yeah. And I think like that could be said about the entire song in general, actually. Yeah. Although, in classic Living End style, it's something I discussed when we talked about from here on in uh, a little bit earlier on in this season. They're disguising just how amazing that they're being as musicians because... Essentially, there's only like a few ideas that they're playing with in this song, but the the way that they manage to energetically push those ideas through different gates and turn them into mm. different moments at each different part of the song, like the breakdown, the stabbing kind of guitar riff and kind of group chant chorus bit. And you know all these bits because it's woven into the fabric of Australian music culture. And as I said before, like if you're a certain age in Australia, it's woven into your DNA as well. This song is inside you, which is just absolutely perfect because I can believe that this song got kids into music. This song got other kids into punk music specifically. And the lyrics are a part of that because they're really simple, but they're so, so punk. It's easy to understand. You know what punk is in a really clear way. Absolute clarity, super high energy, and just memorable upon memorable. If you're not triggered by nostalgia in the first three seconds of this song, then you you know you just probably didn't have a relationship to the song in general. I guess you don't know yeah. the song. But it's just like every new bit. It's just like oh my god, yes, it's this bit again. Like yeah. there's only three what verses, whatever you want to call them, like three different sections of lyrics, and you, they just cycle through. And every time it's like oh my god, I'm so ready for this again. Like yeah. it's perfect. I remember driving somewhere uh, with my friend Simon, uh, who listens to a friend of the show, Simon. We were showing the song to uh, an American exchange student because she just obviously Whoa. had no context for the song at all. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. just trying to explain to her how important this song is for like yeah. everybody our age. And she's like, I mean, she was quite receptive to it, obviously, because it's a great song. But yeah, I mean, I remember, yeah, I sang this in primary school with friends, like, and I. There are so few yeah. songs I can remember doing that with. Yeah, no, this 100% is like, I'm the same. I wasn't this is into such music. formative music, yeah, absolutely. I wasn't into music, but I was into this song. I mean, it's it's such a, like, again, like, there are so few lyrics and they're repeated so much and they're all so catchy and, yeah. like, you know, what nine-year-old doesn't want to sing because I'm a brat and I know everything and I talk back. Like, we don't yeah. need yeah. no one to tell us what to do. Yeah, yeah. damn right. Holy it's crap. perfect, but this is totally formative music in terms of, like, here's a song that you can learn and enjoy and you can kind of own by knowing it and sharing that with other people. Yes, I mean, like everyone's got a got a memory of this song, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like you'd have to. My friend Mark was like, I think he was on a road trip with some friends, and they'd stopped off in some town, and they were like going through, and like they were cranking this, you know, like one of those classic like road trip playlists. They're playing it, singing along, and they notice this guy at the traffic lights just staring at them and shaking his head, and they look over and they're like, they they were just gonna be like, oh, you got a fucking problem, dickhead. It was Chris Cheney. Uh, <laughs> that is nice. That is magic. Well, Chris's vocals, he deserve a shout out as well, right? He just uh, like delivers it in every fucking verse, yeah. every and Scott chorus. Scott Owen just yeah. getting that oi side of things in there. It's fucking tops. It's, it, it's, it's the only song that has ever existed, so I don't know why we're talking about all these it's other songs. A, it's a rock of Australian yeah. rock. Rock. And number 14, this is the Super Jesus with Down Again.
Jesus at number 14 in the 1997 Hotus 100 from the album Sumo. That is Down Again, the notable sequel to 311's Down, uh, which came out in 11 in uh, last year's Hotus 100. So, uh, yeah, good to have an answer song, you know, kind mm. of, you know, a nice little through line. This, this is, is a great cover. This, yeah. <laughs> Nathan, you've been up and down. Several yeah, times. You've true. jumped up and down and moved it all around. Mm-hmm. Stairs, yes. elevators, yep. multi-story buildings. Just jumping Escalators. for the fun of it. Like jumping. Sometimes, you know, just have a little jump. A Diagonal. Bit, a bit, a bit, a Something good. fun to do. Got nothing else on. Sitting down, standing up. Yep. Who doesn't enjoy a good sit? <laughs> um, wow, I feel like we're being really rude to this song because this song is great. Oh, it's fucking it awesome. It's yeah. just like... It's very good. For me, it's just kind of all just about Sarah and like her vocals. Like the oh, band... Man. I'm not, not to disparage the band, but no. the way that every new section feels like... Oh, I didn't know the song could go here as well. Yeah, like, get it's catchier. Just like, get catchier. <laughs> it's just like it's more hooky and yeah. more like it's just great. Like the whole song rocks. Like the band is super tight, but for me, it's just all about those kind of successive shifts in the mm. guitar and vocals as it just like opens up more and more, and it's beautifully poppy. Yeah, I love it. Exactly. Mm. So we talked about these guys um, previously in season four, episode four, Purple oh, Moon was, Vintage. I that was earlier this season, but it was no, last it was season. Last season. Oh. Importantly, because that um, was very much Super Jesus gaining momentum, and now it's kind of like Super Jesus the arrival. This is them making good on a huge amount of hype and a huge amount of promise that a lot of people thought they had as a band. They beat Quadrazone. Um, they can you believe? It? Yeah. So this is them, the first single off the debut album, Sumo, which you know, first album, and so it must have felt really, really good for Sarah and everyone else in the band to see themselves reach this position. The tone of the guitar is so stadium filling. It's got that energetic kind of drive. The way the the riff kind of like is is short and punchy, which goes you know wonderfully against these long kind of melody lines that she manages to wield. Managing to disguise just how poppy they're being with just how much integrity they're bringing to it. There's no gimmick. There's no thing. They're not trying to say anything too much. They're just being a really good band, writing really good songs that happen to be very accessible and very catchy. The The energy is just so self-determined and defiant. And you look at the lyrics and whatever. It's very much about being on your own and only needing yourself and kind of sitting in the strength of yourself and whatever. And I just like for a female fronted rock band, uh, that's that's awesome. That's yeah. sick. And yeah. yeah. Oh, man, I love that drop tuning like that's got that fucking chug to it yeah her vocals are just smoking honey in this you know just got that oh that's such a perfect way to describe you know that like rough that courtney love like to it but it's also that incredible fucking sense of melody gives you a kiss and then kicks your ass fuck yeah (laughs) totally it's incredible It, it i i really really dig this song like you know it's it's weird to kind of look at super jesus now you know it's this kind of like Band that does mid-afternoon sets at the Hunter Valley fucking winery in between like <laughs> other like like the baby animals and like all those like nostalgia like hey let's get some nineties bands going you guys you know and like obviously it's all it's all just very just like oh yeah mum's had a couple of wines she's got to <laughs> yeah, put on the super Jesus good, good but like mum yeah, yeah I'm glad mum's out you of know, the house like, they're, 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 they're just at that point now where they're kind of just naff. But, like, you remember this point, they were shit hot. Yeah, um... That's right. This is all about context. Yeah, totally. Usually I find out, like, like a mid-tempo rock song that goes for, like, over five minutes could kind of wear, but... Yeah, it's not really Andrew Core. Yeah, but then 
the second half of this is just like a noise guitar solo. Oh. And it's just like, ah, Super Jesus, See, you won me over. <laughs> is what I was about to say. It's just like if it was even slower tempo yeah, yeah, and, and one guitar longer, note, yeah. then you'd be fine. Yeah, waiting for Sun O to make their appearance in Final Fantasy <laughs> Um, you talk about Super Jesus and you pretty much it's it sounds like you're talking about Sarah McLeod but like the whole band here in such great it's form just, that yeah. heavy well, drumming true. the guitar again the guitar tone is fucking beast in this yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah this is like just so fucking wonderful and I love that this is like again the first one on the first album I'm into um, over-reading songs as thesis statements from bands oh yeah I'm very much into I know bands don't do that intentionally often but it's certainly something that I really like when bands come out of the gate with a, with a song at the start of an album to define that album or the start of a career to define the sound that they're going to pursue I love that and I think they did it incredibly well with Down Again it sounds exactly like the Super Jesus want to sound and this is brilliant backslash M forward slash <laughs> <laughs> at number 13 lucky number 13 this is Silverchair with Freak Silverchair, 13, Freak, Hottest 100, Adam. Yeah! Yeah, I'm a freak. Yeah, you are. Mm. Um, <laughs> I want to be as cool as you. Teach me how. Well, I don't really know how to put on a good show. Oh, well. Um, Dang. I'm as boring as they come. <laughs> oh, all right, so... <laughs> For, for a, a good four seasons now, I've been sitting here watching everyone else in the room be triggered by nostalgia in various <laughs> different ways or whatever, each one having their moment, and me just kind of like, feel, that's really good. It's really nice to be around someone having that kind You're of like, moment. <laughs> that'll never happen to me. <laughs> uh, this song was high school. It just was high school. I have vivid memories of me and my friends just getting into the music room at lunchtimes dragging the instruments out and playing this and it happened almost every day and well, they already had a guitarist so i couldn't play a guitar which is the instrument that i knew at the time so they were just they handed me a microphone it's like well someone's got to sing it um oh. Oh. and that's how i got into singing which became like a, a something that i actually did and, and cared about and, and loved for a period of time and you know like i, I messed around with a load of high school bands and it's just like kind of this was the song that we'd always just jam on no matter what band I was kind of part of it was just like we just we'd learn how to play freak and we'd play freak and like 
I remember like other kids kind of coming and watching, like being outside the window because they knew that we were going to play freak, and they wanted to just kind of be around and like have a bit of a have a bit of a mosh to it. And because we were because my school was like K to twelve, and so it was like often it was just like primary school kids, like the kindergartners coming back from like reading time or whatever. Been born the year this came out and had no idea what the fuck you were playing. <laughs> but you do, but it's two notes and it's heavy as hell. And as soon as it starts, you're on board. It's just so there. All right, so um, Kevin Parker recently had an interview with NME. Tame Impala's Kevin Parker. Mm. And he was talking about, like, this was the song that made him want to become a musician. Because for him, being a young kid and seeing three long-haired, barely-out-of-high-school guys absolutely slaying their instruments and playing something this raw and this heavy on TV made him think, like, oh, man, if I just work hard, I I can be there. I can do that. I can have as much fun as those guys are having. And that's the reason, you know, in a sense, that we have one of Australia's most critically acclaimed bands now, Tame Impala. Maybe. <laughs> and the song is just so perfectly three long-haired teenage guys. Yeah, hell yeah. Rocking it out on TV. It's a song basically that borders on nonsense about yeah. being a jaded teen that can't even be bothered putting up with your own bullshit anymore. It's just expressing this kind of self-hatred and, and, and you know, like self-loathing, self-doubt, uh, frustration... Like, it's it's pure hormones in, in like, two to three notes, but just d- delivered with, with such irony and such detachment and whatever. Like, yeah. we, we've talked about Silverchair having a bit of a bad time at this point, this being off their sophomore album, Freak Show, dealing with their meteoric rise or whatever. I can kind of believe, and, uh, and I'm sure there's information about the com- composition of the song around, mm. that this was, like, the, the, you know, guys going, like, you need a hit. You know, like this. It would be, it would be <laughs> you wanted re- a hit. A kind of a mm. fucked off response to being told by these label guys that they need to write a hit single. Yeah, but they did it. It's like, fully um, like I think theme wise, like content. It's super like uh, it's Radiohead's creep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, in a way, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's a fair comparison. This got to number one. Yeah. Uh, a follow up from their previous number one tomorrow, which we've which we've talked about as well. We sure um, and the next time that these guys would have a number one is in two thousand and seven with Straight Lines. Oh shit! I love the stories, and I've actually seen this happen live as well. Of like Daniel Johns, who's gonna be jack of this song by now. He was, oh like, yeah, by the end he was like oh, so well, fucked off. With the it. thing I can believe is he was jack of it, like as he was writing it. At, oh at god, the, yeah, like, yeah, at yeah, the yeah, time. But like whenever you see Daniel Johns or Silverchair play it live in, in the time that they were touring. The, Daniel would deliberately just fuck with it. Like, he'd do it with, like, a death metal growl. Yeah, yeah, throughout like, the second verse, he'd be like, Try to play, Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Or, going or for he'd it. sing it in, like, a ridiculous falsetto yeah. or and, something. And, like, and he'd, he'd just... just let the crowd do the body and soul bit, which obviously is a no-brainer. And, like, then he'd just throw in, like, a bunch of heaps, like, guitar noise and shit over the top of it. So if you were an Australian kid who didn't get into the punk sensibility of Prisoner of Society... You might have been a kid who got into the grunge sensibility of Freak. But I think everything we've said in terms of it being as impactful, as, in a way, well-crafted in a, in a different kind of way, just in its simplicity, in its pure energetic output, in its pure emotion, its yeah. rawness, mm. this is comparable, I think, in terms of the position that it holds. But yeah, there totally. are still lush, light moments of different guitar tones in there as well. Like oh, yeah, there the- are- 
my yeah, god. Yeah. The like, solo is just such a release. Oh, it's yeah. huge. There's, I love there's it. These moments of reprieve that just like yeah. let you step back from the like, you know, looking into this hole that like goes on forever. Yeah, yeah, and, it is that. And they're yeah. so important to the song. Yeah. This is great. Like I so I was never into Silverchair um as a kid. So coming to them as an adult, I'm like, oh yeah, like these songs are fine. But mm. even just like from the few times we've talked about them and you guys talking about where they were at personally as a band and also professionally and then just how that connected with you guys. Yeah. As as young people, like, it's just like, man, I it's get it. Like, listening to this song, it's like, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. 100%. The chunkiest shit riff, right? <laughs> like, it just yeah. gets so you there thick. right away. Thick um, and looking like a snack. Everyone, everyone's yeah. just like, oh, it's so, like, binary code. I'm just like, well, you didn't fucking come up with it, did yeah. you? It's brilliant. All you need is on-off. So the home key is the E, which is the da da but it's instead of like, yeah, like being like normally played, like on in standard tuning, yeah. having it being drop D means it's swinging up to the da 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 da. So it's not even a two note song; it's like a one note song <laughs> with a sweep up. Yeah, with the sweep that's up, that's magic. It's a, so yeah, like anyone could fucking do it. Like it's the easiest yeah. fucking riff to learn. But that's exactly the thing. Like the fact that. Any kid with a guitar can pick up a guitar and play Freak mm. is part of Freak. Play a, a number one song. Yes. Yeah. 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 Play um, the most famous song and, in the world. And yeah. sing lyrics that are like so much about being thrust into this position as a really young artist and getting compared to like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and having Constantly. the weight of that. But yeah. also sing lyrics that are at the same time 100% just about how you're feeling as a young kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. They're so I mean, well crafted the, the, for that. The Nirvana thing's played out and lazy at this point, but you got to mention that Ben Gillies is like a uh, graduate with honours from the Dave Grohl School of Drumming here. Yeah. Like, oh, the, the, the way he lets that uh, that symbol ring yeah, on the yeah, beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, about it. It, it. And it just going so hard, it literally sounds like he's playing the drums with fucking hammers. Yeah. It's one of those things that, like, nowadays, it's like any song that falls on the ears of sympathetic, angsty teenagers, when you look at it as an adult, it always there's always going to be, like, a disconnect. It's just like saying, like, body and soul, I'm a freak, I'm a freak of nature. When you're a fucking, they wrote when they were what seventeen, and like people who listen to it were like fifteen, younger, and that. Like I understand why it's connecting, and it connected with me at the time as well. Yeah. But like the adult projection of like, ah, oh, come on, man, don't be cringy, is not the purpose of the song. The song no. is not meant for no, of course not. My bitter twenty-nine-year-old ears. It's by fucked off teenagers for, for fucked exactly. off teenagers. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. And it's like that's why it's perfect, and just drawing upon like the vocabulary of fucked off teenagers that's normally used in like a derogatory term like kids would be hearing freak said from the mouths of others who want to cause them harm and to take that back and to say i'm a freak and to claim that and mm. to just be like i'm impervious to that harm like you cannot possibly hate yeah. me more than i hate myself and i'm going yeah. to channel that through this drumming and through this guitaring because you know i don't need to invest any time to learn how to do this i'm just going to play it yeah. yeah when people say this is their favorite silver chair song it's like yeah Okay, yeah. that makes perfect sense. <laughs> I understand that. Yeah. One of many fine choices. Yes. Yeah. At number 12, this is Ben Folds 5 with one angry dwarf and 200 solemn faces. These songs. Yeah. Yeah. This. Who voted all these good songs this in? Songs. Couple of fucking What's legends. What's going on here? It's so good.
Holds 5, everybody! Number 12 in the 1997 Hottest 100, that's the song One Angry Dwarf and 200 Solemn Faces. It comes from the album Whatever and Ever. Amen. Amen. This song has a lot of history in Australia. Not to not to step in on uh, Adam's freakish level of research for everything, where you know, like he goes through the garbage of the artists that we talk about and finds everything that there is to possibly know about them. He's a very clean eater, is uh, Mr. Ben Foster. Yeah, yeah, and I he composts. I mean, I can't believe you flew to Adelaide just to do that. Like yeah. that's dedication, man. I, I do what I can, <laughs> <laughs> including um, going to. Ben Folds Compost. (laughs) (laughs) Checking out his worm farm. Love it. Okay, story time. Carrie Ann Kennelly. (laughs) The classic. Oh, my God. This story rocks. (laughs) Right? Uh, Three words I was not ready to hear. Really? Carrie Ann Kennelly. I I, I was ready. I just wasn't expecting it. You know what's about to happen. I think so. You don't know what's... I thought I honestly thought you were going to bring this one. Oh to the no! Table. Ask me any question about the worm farm that you like. Yeah. <laughs> I got nothing in terms of Carrie Ann. <laughs> Carrie Ann Kennelly, for uh, those who are not uh, old enough, uh, is a television personality uh, most famous in the '90s for her morning program, Mornings with Carrie Ann. Now. Ben Folds 5, on one of their first ever tours of Australia, were very misguidedly booked for the Mornings with Carrie Ann show. So, they get booked on this show and they perform this song. Oh. Yes, they do. They perform it to a bunch of nanas at, I want to say, 10 in the morning. They are all fucked off. They are jet-lagged, hungover, everything. And my ass, nanas. Ben Fold says, kiss my ass on national morning television. That's an A. B is where things get very, very interesting. Right. As was tradition at Ben Fold's five shows at this point, Ben would finish uh, songs slash sets uh. and he'd pick up the the stool and throw it at the piano keys uh, at the end of the song. And now it was under his impression that management had cleared this with the production crew <laughs> oh. and that this was all going to be fine. That's Jeff Harvey's piano. <laughs> <laughs> There's the magic words! There are the magic words, my friend! Here we fucking go! Oh, so Jeff Harvey was like, he was like the... The, the MD of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, and he sat offside and he came on and, I don't know, advertised products. Yeah, he was, like, he was like the Paul Schaefer yeah. of the show, basically. <laughs> oh, the Gary Head show. Yeah. Oh, God. So... They fucking power through it as per. They say, kiss my ass on morning television. Amazing. They, they, they wind up and they get, they get to the big climax, picks up the drum stool, thunk, bam. Polite applause from the crowd. That's, that's Ben Folds 5, everybody. They're on tour right now. We'll be right back. They cut to commercial and when they come back, Jeff Harvey has made a point of going on television and telling them how unprofessional they are. Jeff and I know you're a particularly unhappy chappy piano player. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand why you throw piano stools at pianos and all that stuff. I don't understand it. The wow. second they went to ad break, he went up and had a massive go at them. He was fucking furious. And to repay the repay the favor, uh, the very next night uh, when they performed at the Metro Theatre in Sydney, they all wore matching t-shirts that said Jeff Harvey Appreciation Society. <laughs> oh my god. Spectacular. Eventually, they got to have a beer with him and clear the air on the matter. But, uh, 
Yes, I was able to... When I interviewed Ben Folds last year, I got to prove my lifelong obsession and knowledge and say, at the end, you know, when I'm just doing my, oh, I'm going hit this every day, but I'm a massive fan. But I, I, I said, I've been listening to you since I was a kid. I'm a lifetime member of the Jeff Harvey Appreciation Society. And it made him laugh. And uh. so that was a career highlight for me. This was a career highlight for them. It's all coming back full circle to how fucking amazing this song is. Mm. Ben Bolt 5 has often been described by the band themselves as punk rock for sissies, and this is where it comes in. Like, imagine anyone else like, don't give me that bullshit! Like, you know, like, super, like, punk. But he's just like, oh, don't give me that. It's a, it's a Woody Allen kind of like, no! Oh, I don't know. Don't give me that bullshit! It's such a whiny fucking way to deliver that line. Yeah. But, like, at the same time, like, the fucking drums are going for it. Like, the bass sounds like lead guitar. Like, Sledge could fucking shred with the best of them. Darren Jesse is, like, such a great drummer, and he is firing on all cylinders here. Like, those sick fucking fills going through the whole thing. And, yeah, one of the most iconic riffs of the 90s is on a grand fucking piano. Like, who would have fucking called that, right? Yeah, this is punk rock, but with uh, Baby Grand as the lead instrument. And, like, to to have that, like, running is just incredible. I, I've always loved this song from the second I heard it. It's just big and important. <laughs> um, no, no, it's, yeah, it's just a, such a fun and exciting and energetic song. And I got to have another very cool experience with this song very, very recently. I at the start of February, he was here on a national tour called the Paper Airplane Tour, which was where the second half, the second set, was entirely dictated by people writing song requests onto a piece of paper, turning that piece of paper into a paper airplane and shooting it on stage. The first night I see him, the last song of the main set is a song called Stephen's Last Night in Town. And it ends with uh, a roadie will come out, bring a floor tom over to him. So he finishes the last note on the piano, picks up drumsticks, and then plays a floor tom all the way over to the other side of the stage where roadies one by one are setting up a kit for him, gets the kick put underneath his feet, gets a snare put out like one by one by one, and then plays a drum solo, right? So that was night one. Night two, I know what's coming. Well, at least I think I do. So the drum solo starts, and then I notice one of the roadies who comes out and sets up one of the, like, the last things, which is the ride cymbal. I'm just like, I know that fucking hair anywhere. That's Tim Minchin. And sure enough, one of the roadies who sneaks onto stage is fucking Tim Minchin, who then walks over to the piano, and then they look at each other, and then he sits down and starts playing One Angry Dwarf. And then Ben Folds plays drums to One Angry Dwarf while Tim Minchin sings it. Two of, like, the biggest parts of my teenage years, you know? Like, it was like watching my life flash before my eyes, you know? The two piano nerds of my childhood, together at last on the one stage, playing a piano and drums version of One Angry Dwarf. Ben Folds, all time for me. I've told literally all the stories I can. The floor is yours, gentlemen. Because, of course, Tim Minchin loves Ben Folds no and this shit. song. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. Because this song is just everything. It's it's just clever, sassy rock cabaret. And it's the total, like, other side of the coin to freak. In the same exactly what I was going to say, man. Like, yep. freak is all like, yeah, I am a freak. And this song is, one day, I will 
pull you up on being shit to me in a really embarrassing way yeah. is probably not going to make me look good, and that's fine because I don't care. Yeah, it's because he's big and important, and like he's kind of overemphasizing his fame and success a little <laughs> bit. Hugely, <laughs> hugely. That's the best. If it if it wasn't that, it wouldn't work. Yeah. It's about being petty. It's, yeah, and, uh, it's, it's about just, yeah being picked on as a man as syndrome. A, yeah. as yeah. a, being picked on as a dorky kid in school. Specifically, here we go. I've been through the records. Hey, um, the compost. The uh, elementary school classmates at Winston Salem NC, where they managed Ooh. to. He names names. He's, he that's mentions great. Jane. He mentions uh, someone. Else. Yeah, yeah. Mentions second a, grade. That's right. Yeah, mentions a few people there, and I've got no doubt that that's real. <laughs> yeah, I've got no doubt. Interested in being. But this is the victory lap song, right? Like yeah. this is like it does not matter because this is where I am. And all those anecdotes important. in the verses are so specific. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Too specific. <laughs> like it's so self-deprecating to include that in your victory song. You know, like this is my song about how big and important I am. I'm going to tell everyone about how you made me cry and how you stole my lunch money and how you didn't want to kiss me and how I got this toy and it didn't matter. Yeah, like it's perfect. That brings us on side, really, because yeah. it's not someone bragging no. and just no. It's like, oh man, like we're with you. We're running this victory lap with you. Exactly. Like, Man, he just pounds that piano. Like, in much the same way as, like, you could hear Freak and be like, man, that's going to make some kids pick up the guitar. Like, this is going to make some kids sit at the piano and be like, oh, I'm, I can I'm, rock on this. I've yeah. got work to do, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, he's tickling those damn ivories, man. Mm. Like, but, like, in a way that's so, like, the punk rock versus his kind of thing. Like, because there is a punkness the way he's beating that piano up. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah, uh, Jeff Harvey's piano. Calling the song and having the line one angry dwarf and two hundred solemn faces, that's going to be a triple J favourite. Yes, like, it is. That name is a tri- is a nineties yep. triple J song name and it's that's long like, and weird. Yeah. Um, and the song Ladies. slaps. <laughs> like obviously like it's one of Ben Fold's signature tunes for goddamn good reason. Just thrilling, fun, punk, dancey. Like you, you like you definitely you want to sing along. The the kiss my ass is just like yeah, man. Ah, good. Like the pettiness. Yeah, seen all of our shirts. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like there's Ben Folds is obviously a fucking dork. In, in the that, best way. Yeah, in, 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 a, in a wonderful, pure, wholesome way. And the fact that he embraces dorks to like his music is just so much fun. That's it, because it's, it's the same with Underground. You listen to it, and it's like, yeah, he's a dork, but he's our dork. Yeah, exactly, and we yeah. love him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he loves us. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's all love. Nothing but respect for my dork president. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright, because the people yeah. wanted us to. Time to clock on and go to work and talk about Smash Me Up in my music podcast. <laughs> 20 years ago, it was ordained. It was yeah. ordained. That we had to do this. We had to talk about Smash Mouth. Eggs? Check. Bread? Check. Donkey? Check. At number 11, this is Smash Mouth with Walking on the Sun. It ain't no joke, I like to buy the world a token. Teach the world to sing it. Tomorrow, but if we are to shine, you might as 
Smash Mouth coming in at number 11 in the 1997 Hottest 100. That's Walking on the Sun from the Astro Lounge record, I believe? No, from no. Fushumang. Fushumang, that's it. Yeah. Astro Lounge is the one after. It begins. It, it begins. begins. I, say, I say the album name and already we're kind of there. Holy <laughs> shit. I'm going to pass the toke to my good man. Do you think DJ The All-Star himself... You know how there's like the that Blink podcast that you're enjoying? Blink 155. Um, the U2 and REM ones that yeah. Adam, uh, oh, Adam Scott, 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 Scott Yeah, yeah. Can oh. we do a Smash Mouth one? Ooh. Is the world Should ready for that? Should we do a Smash Mouth Should we? <laughs> Potting yeah. on the yeah. sun. <laughs> yeah. Precursory notes. This is Smash Mouth's first single. This is before they were like a living meme band. And just the song <laughs> itself is like, it's actually, there's like some... Kind of okay, funk, soul, psych rock vibes going on. I can see why this was a popular hit. It's very danceable and fun. Is it like that keyboard melody? That like, dun, 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 dun. It's, yeah, it's kind of. It's, it's clearly a '60s throwback, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's like the start the of Dorsey, like, um, she, like. Yeah, I was thinking of um, she's not there by the zombies. Yeah, dun, dun, yeah, dun, total dun, dun, zombie. Dun, dun. It's all that. Uh, the video, I recommend it. They, oh, so sick. they are all wearing fedoras. Yes, they um, are. <laughs> there's at least one soul patch because they would be pretty much a scar band at the start. Yeah, fully yeah, right. Yeah, pretty much. They wear the scar band attire of like the bowling shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, oh. you know, Mister Smash Mouth singer does that like. That fat guy bowling look with the like the bowling shirt and like the fedora hat. The guy um, Yeah, the Gaffieri look. The video has uh women who are way too good looking uh, da- 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 dancing on surfboards that Smash Mouth hold up. And there's a drag race between each members of Smash Mouth that's launched by like a pin-up girl. That is Smash Mouth as a band, okay? Just right now, this yeah. is what they are. That's yeah, um, right. It's Baffling to have to talk about Smash Mouth in a critical way, particularly for a Hottest 100s way. But again, this is before all the jokes. This yeah. was just when it was yep. a weird kind of yep. funky soul scar song. It's not. It's not a terrible song in terms of Smash Mouth songs. There's a, there's stuff to enjoy here. Like not not, not heaps, but like <laughs> whoa whoa whoa. It's okay, right? Like that, I mean, dude, this fucking slaps. Okay, this okay. is amazing. Deej thinks this slaps. It's a, it's a good pop song, but that's yeah. a, that's the challenge here. We have yeah. to peel. So many layers of irony because and meme. Because you know what has layers? Layers. Onions have layers. layers. Exactly. Yes. Case in point. Because. But that's the thing. Because, like, I think if if you if you somehow find a way to get past all of the stuff that Smash Mouth will be, at this point you're like, oh yeah, sure. I get why Triple J would play this yeah. kind of. You know, weird Fun. alternate funk yeah. pop song. Like yeah. it sort of works, and it's really catchy song. Uh, when all uh, the all the melodies start following along in that part with yeah, yeah. The vocals, it's oh. like this is just super catchy. Like it's great. My problem isn't with the catchiness with it, and I didn't actually realize I had this problem until I started to analyze the song critically and have a look at it. It's that this is a really kind of self righteous song when you dig into it. Oh, do you know what they say it's about? Yeah, I yeah. do. But it go was, on. It was written during the whole Rod- the, the quote. Yeah, this is a direct quote. Yeah, Jesus yeah. fucking Christ. Just get this, it out of the way. It was written during the whole Rodney King thing. The oh song my god. Was, the song was basically a social and racial battle cry. Uh huh. So just to clarify, Rage Against the Machine wrote "Killing in the Name of." In response to Rodney King, yeah. Smash Mouth gave us Walking, Walking on, on the, the Sun. sun. And Two also, sides of the same coin. Look, I know it's probably an off-the-cuff thing, but to just, again, the whole Rodney, Rodney King, King thing. <laughs> like, Which was in the early 90s, so what the heck is this doing coming out in 97? Well, you know, like, you just, you, you're sitting on that? You spend you, time to write, man. Like, yeah. you you can't like, you, I hope art. this took five years yeah. to write. Yeah. It's like, man, this is about it's the like, whole Rodney like King how, thing. We better take our time to... Famously, uh, Leonard Cohen spent... 
like four or five years writing Hallelujah and yeah. banging his head yeah. against the wall trying to get the right verses down. I bet Mr. Smash Mouse is the same with walking actually, on Actually, walking I think on you'll find, uh, according to the Shrek soundtrack, it was Rufus Wainwright who wrote that song. <laughs> so. Vaguely, like, look, it's worth documenting what Smash Mouth became after this and then they released All Star, which was... White, which is a huge pop hit, and then it was oversaturated in every fucking kind of movie. It was in like nearly every teen party movie of the late nineties, early two thousands. It was in the very underrated Rat Race. It was mm. featuring Rowan Atkinson. Underrated. Yeah. yeah. So after All Stars oversaturation and a huge number of films, it then became too gas to play, and it was like, and then Smash Mouth disappeared from popular consciousness for a while. Well, they, and then, they also had um, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, can't get enough of you, baby, which These, was also the big hit around yeah. that time. Um, but like, I think the oversaturation of All Star was kind of what killed them because oh, they yeah. became oh, they're oh, an All Star yeah. band, particularly in the Shrek movie and the other franchise. They had the other covers and that. Mm. And then years later, and like they became an internet joke when it just was like. Uh, All Star is now a funny song to make fun of. It was a weird kind of niche in-joke meme. Then it became a huge populist meme. And Sma- and then Smash Mouth themselves were like, we were famous before Shrek. Stop fucking out of here to talk about Shrek on Twitter. Very funny. Heaps <laughs> yeah. um, of people were like just tweeting at them about being like, how does Shrek. it feel to be the band like, that's only made famous It's technically true, but at the same time, you should be just like, just go with it, man. Yeah, like- and then they kept bringing up this song in response yeah. to that as well. Smash Mouth then leaned into the joke, and now they're just this weird fucking presence online. Apart from being known from mashups... More niche, like Neil Cicciarega's mashup. Some, 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 some. And then more popular ones, like done with like B movie versions and Shrek. All uh, yeah. every every possible steam hands. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, every possible huge. variation of a video meme has been done with Smash Mouth's All Star. And then later on, the weirder parts of Smash Mouth. They lend the joke in a bizarre way. Like not Christmas, not the most recent Christmas, the Christmas before last, 2016's Christmas. They posted pictures on their Twitter account of Shrek in various holiday garb. And it was said like, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas from, from, Smash from Smash Mouth. With a picture of Shrek as Santa. Happy Hanukkah from Smash Mouth. A picture of Shrek as like a rabbi. So good. Happy that's, Kwanzaa that's rough. from Smash Mouth. Whoa. Probably was something racist. I can't remember. They're, they're this insane meme joke band now. But... Yeah. This song's pretty good. <laughs> See, okay, I legit which... fucking love this song because, like, it is intrinsically linked to my childhood. Like, as I mentioned, like, getting up and watching Rage Top 50 in the morning, like, this was a big hit, so I was charting all the time. And so I knew this song back to front, man. Like, every little bit about it. I still, like, genuinely appreciate this song. I love the cadence of the lyrics and, like, you know, matching up the melody to the keyboard. I'm literally riding on the beat with that gorgeous... It sounds like a 22, like a 22-inch ride, just that big, real heavy kind of ride. So, like, there's a lot of moving parts here, and I just think this is um, an immaculately crafted song. I've got no irony to, to fucking share here. Like, at this point, like like you said, there was no there was no jokes to be in on. It was just like, this is a cool new band that have a hit on the radio, yeah. and I'm into it. All right. Can I go back to why I find this song irksome then? Please. Because we, we, go, we understandably go, go got to rail, and I'm not mad. But the reason why this song annoys me is because it shares something that annoys me across a variety of other different songs, is that Smash Mouse position themselves as, like, the only people who really, truly understand what's going wrong with the world, but yeah. they have the solution. <laughs> That's what they're basically saying in this song, saying, like, hey, guys, remember the 60s where everyone just smoked weed and it was free love and whatever? It's like, leave aside that they mentioned the whole Rodney King thing, because, yeah, interracial relations in the 60s were, you know, <laughs> spot <laughs> fucking on. Yeah, 
But they that's fully what they're saying in this song. That's why they're having this 60s throwback in terms of it being pop music. They're saying that, like, act now, supplies are running out. They're saying, like, we are offering you this solution to, to solve the world. And if this offer is shunned, then you may as well be walking on the surface of the sun. Like... <laughs> Because, you know, that's how bad things Take are going to be, it, guys. Because, you know, like, it takes six to eight years to arrive. You have to start working towards this now. Guys, you got to get it together. you got to start doing something. This is just general, like, finger-pointing. The way that they also, like, say, oh, the culture is the problem at the moment. Like, they talk about fashion and whatever. Like, kind of just, like... I feel like it's kind of a slight towards, like, grunge, which just, to me, rings of a band that is just jaded because their particular brand of music is not as popular as some others, which is also incredibly irksome to hear in a song. It just hits on all these little triggers for me. Yeah, I get it, man. I've died on some silly hills, but this is one of them. Counterpoint. Yeah. This song slaps. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Bread or eggs first? <laughs> eggs first and then, and then okay. the bread. So, right. yeah. Who's doing eggs? Internet funny guy John Hedron. Um, he's on Twitter as the handle at fart. fart. <laughs> very quickly secured that marker. It's very, very good. Back in the early days of Smash Mouth's Twitter account, they responded to everything, as we've established. They were just openly engaging on social media. And it was a period where they didn't have a huge number of followers, but John Hedron, being a funny guy from the Something Awful forums, had a sizable number of followers. So he kept asking them, saying... When are you going to be eating the eggs? When are you going to eat eggs? And they're like, what are you talking about? And he said, come on, you guys, do the egg challenge. And kept telling him to eat eggs, just for fun. Eventually, the main guy from Smash Mouth got hit up by enough people of John Hedron's friends. I love that we haven't mentioned his name. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> don't know. even know it. Steve, St- Steve Harwell or something? Yeah. But after enough cyberbullying, he responded and said, okay, guys, the egg challenge is on. If you guys can raise X amount of money for this charity, it will do it. And then that was raised tenfold in like a few hours because why wouldn't you just chip in five bucks to do this? And then at like a county fair, they actually had Guy Fieri make some <laughs> make some weirdo boiled eggs for the Smash Mouth guy who then sat there and solemnly ate the eggs and then left before he could talk to anybody or get heaps of photos taken of him. There's a very funny article about it if you search John Hedron. And Vice and Smash Mouth, it'll come up. It's the the headline's called something like "How I Cyber Bullied the Guy from Smash Mouth for Eating a Dozen Eggs." And it's just the weirdest thing. And David, do you want to handle the bread story? <laughs> they were playing a festival at one point, and it wasn't like a similar kind of I deal. Don't think, like a I don't think fair. it was a, a planned thing. Oh, no, right, it definitely yeah. wasn't a planned thing. I think they just got handed out free bread at some point. Like it was just like this commun- weird communal <laughs> thing. And they were just getting fucking pelted that <laughs> whole set. But with white bread. It's very yes. important too, because Smash Mouth are the white bread of music. And it's so funny that it just got heaped, like, not low, individual slices of white bread, like hitting them all over the stage. Like, it was cooked. And old mate Steve went on like a three minute rant. Literally, all, all while, fucking the guitarist was playing the riff to All Star. Be, I will tell you right now, I will beat the fuck out of you. And the thing is, like, once you tell an audience, <laughs> don't please throw stop white throwing bread. white bread at us on stage. <laughs> what, don't what do what Donnie Don't does. Could you possibly do? Oh my god! Uh, they are the weirdest existence. Smash Mouth, whatever. The, man. the Earth is billions of years old, and we exist at the same time as Smash Mouth. So be grateful, people.
that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to FBI Radio for having us. Uh, before we get out of here, it's time to pick our favourites and our least favourites. Andrew! My favourite uh, is The Living End. I uh, have my champ remains in Nick Cave. Uh, my least favourite, I'm going to give it to Smash Mouth, and this is pretty easy of the five. Um, yeah. My chump most certainly remains everything's... What is it? You're free? Uh, everybody's, you, everybody's free to wear sunscreen. Everybody's free to wear sunscreen. Just say the sunscreen song. Yeah, yeah the sunscreen fair, song fair, remains fair, my fair, chump. Fair, 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 fair. Sunny boys. I am going to take Prisoner Society and make it my new carryover champ. Oh! Baby! Wow! Done did it to him. And oh, I don't want to pick a least favourite because I like all these fucking songs heaps. Somebody pick mine for me. It's Smash Mouth. No, it's not. Well, then it'd be Super Is it Jesus Silver then. Chair? Oh, fuck it. All right. Sorry, sorry, Sarah. Whoa. Chump remains the same. Mind blowing to me. Um, <laughs> Nathan, what's your least favourite? <laughs> Smash Mouth. Obviously. <laughs> you guys are fucked. It's a good song, but it's not as good as the other four. It fucking slaps. Whatever. You're bamboozled. <laughs> I'm making bamboozled. <laughs> um, it's obviously not as bad as the sunscreen song because it's still pretty good. Favorite, yeah, I, I guess Living End could have been could have been Ben Folds, but let's go Living End. Uh, but my champ will remain. You sound like Louis Bidet. Uh My favorite for this episode is Freak by the band Silverchair. Yep. Hell yeah! Um, ooh, very very close to taking out the champion spot, but I think I'm just going to be a bit of a softy and I'm going to keep Nick Cave. And also, yeah, my least is uh, Mr. White Bread, Mr. Mr. Mouth. Yeah, the smashed mouth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, Great did you theory. know? Did you? Oh, I didn't mention this before. Uh, Smash Mouth is a um, is a football term. Oh yeah, I found that out too yeah. when it's, prepping for this. And it's and and perfectly, it's you get the ball and run. That's the strategy. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Penny Band the is taking the ball and run with it. It's Smash Mouth. <laughs> the basic offense move is Smash Mouth. <laughs> yeah, because I'm basically offended. <laughs> The next time you hear from us will be our remix episode where we all pick our favourites from the year that did not get any love from Triple J in the Hottest 100. Thanks so much to everybody as well, by the way, who have already submitted uh, some audio and some texts for us for their remix episode in a couple of weeks' time. Mm -hmm. It's been actually some really fucking great points raised and we're really excited to read these out and play them on air. It's just been great. Uh, there is still time if you want to quickly get a turnaround and uh, send us some stuff. Anything that we've missed this year that you... Yep. Some trivia, yep. some facts mm -hmm. that we got wrong or missed. Yeah. Time to call us on our bullshit. We're here for you. <laughs> Did we get something wrong saying about Lil Bidet being a good song? Maybe, <laughs> maybe you want to fight Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Hit us up on Facebook with some text. Or ideally, we'd love to get um, some recorded audio to play. Just use your um, iPhone recording software or your computer. Uh, send it to us at um, hottest100and1000s at gmail.com. Just as a simple MP3, it'd be great. We'd love to include, include it in here. Have a bit of bands. We can chop it up and make it seem like you have some problematic views. It'd be heaps of fun. <laughs> and then... Then we crack in where the big boys play. We are doing the top 10. Mm. Holy shit. On behalf of Mr. Nathan Harrison, mm -hmm. Miss Andrew McDonald, mm -hmm. and Mr. Adam Buncher. Cheers. My name is David James Young. Everything is good for somebody. Somebody.